And this podcast is going to make you feel all right. And its name is C O V E C O V E R space M E. That was loud. I might have to redo that later. It sounded fine to me. That's right. It's Cover Me. It is. The only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions, compares them against each other to find out just what's going on. I'm your host, as always, Jake Cressy, joined by my glorious co-host, Alex Mildenberger. What? Yes. It is Alex Mildenberger. Wow. Wow. Fancy that. After some uh, technical difficulties, we are up and running and ready to talk about Gloria by them and Van Morrison. By who? They're just them, right? Yeah, they're them. It wasn't because, like, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Van Morrison is the them. Yeah. They, I'd pretty sure. Angry young them. At the very least, they don't go by the them. The them. Well, yeah, it kind of ruins the whole name. There were a bunch of weird, like, pun tastic, like, compilation albums on Spotify. Mm -hmm. And I don't. I'm just. Just looking them up right now. And there was one that was just the complete them. It was just all their music, which is oh. handy. Yeah, the angry young yeah, them. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Now and them. Them again. Now and them. <laughs> I like that one too much. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's an awkward name, but uh, I think it's supposed to be. It's like Yeah, yes. I like it. It's a good awkward name. So this is... Uh... This is Van Morrison's gang of just rowdy Irishmen, presumably. Van Morrison and the Rowdy Irishmen was the original yeah, band. Yeah, and we talked about them before. We did. This is on our, our first, second episode, our actually. first repeat group. Yeah, way to go. I, All, I mean, not quite a year, but hey. Yeah. I, w I wouldn't have expected them when, if, if you asked me went back when we started, who the first one we would do two of, I would have said, like, Probably, probably um, David Bowie or something. But we haven't yeah, done I mean, like David Bowie or even the Bowie Beatles song. or somebody. Yeah, you know. someone like that you would expect a billion covers of their songs. Yeah, like with a vast discography, whereas uh, them has like a respectable respectable discography, but it's like not that much. Yeah, they have a compilation that is, as far as I know, all of their songs, and it's like it's not short, but it's not. Like, it's, it's like three discs. Yeah, that's not much. And a bunch of them are, like, alternate takes. So, <laughs> like, the last disc, I think, is all, like, demos and alternate takes. So, yeah. Uh, okay. It's not, like, there's, like, 45 songs on this thing. We're talking about one of those nothing. 45 we songs, are. which is Gloria, which was written by Van Morrison when he was touring around with a little band called The Monarchs in Germany in the summer of 63. He was around 18 years old at the time. Yeah, he was pretty young when he was doing this stuff. I mean, he's still more or less around, so... Yeah, he still does shows, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. He's, uh... I don't know... I, I didn't look up his age. I guess I could do the math, but I'm not gonna... Old enough to party. Um, yeah, yes. so if he was 18 in 63, in 2003, he'd been 58. 
So he's yeah, like that's s- correct math. Six. Plus 15 more years on top of that. 73? Oh, plus another year. 74, right? <laughs> that, you know, these words you're saying to me are believable. He's 73. Okay, he must be turning 74 this year, though. Yes. Yes, Toy. he is. Happy birthday in a couple months, Van Morrison. Van Morrison, Way to go. you grouchy old bastard. <laughs> I've always assumed he's grouchy, but I don't know why. I think um, it's... I don't know. Somebody told me that when I was working at uh, the Mount Royal Starbucks. And they were just like, yeah, Van Morrison, you know, he does all the, these very sweet, like, songs. And he's just a grumpy prick in person, like, even in show. <laughs> I think he also kind of looks like... Uh... Like Axl Rose, like later day Axl Rose. Right, you I were think talking to me about similar. this, I think, last week. I think they have a similar look, because they're both got a little pudgy. Mm-hmm. He looks like, maybe he doesn't, I don't know, maybe in some pictures maybe he, he looks does. Like, I thought, I saw it just on his Spotify photo, I was kind of like, oh, like Neil Young, he's one of those old white guys who wears a hat. True, yes, he but definitely like a has a hat But not like a baseball cap, you know? And glasses. So, uh, let me tell you about this song. It reached number 71 on the Billboard Hot 100 when it was re-released as an A-side. It was originally a B-side for a blues cover of Baby Please Don't Go. So, would you, and, do you lose points for yeah. being a B-side? Yeah. Or did nobody want Baby Please Don't Go? I think nobody wanted Baby Please Don't Go. That's sad. I think they probably already had it by a, a different group and were like, well, this is good enough. I don't even know that and song. And so, the song is named after... Uh, Van Morrison's cousin Gloria Gordon. That makes it close with. much more awkward. Yeah, the fucking like I was on Spotify listening to, and it gives you like the genius behind the lyrics, and it's like, but it's okay. It's not about his cousin. It's about sex. I'm like, no, that's no, not hang okay. On. Whoa, <laughs> that makes it much worse. Because <laughs> it is about sex and sex his cousin, with a woman named Gloria, who is his cousin, maybe. And she's five foot four. He clearly had someone in mind. Yeah, is that a brag? Being like, she's five foot four. I don't know. Is that, what does that mean? Is she what you call a spinner? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a woman of short stature who is so, so lightweight that she can, she can sit on it and spin, Alex. Oh, uh, right, of course. <laughs> I should have known. Well, I would think that anyone... I mean, with the right with the right jumping ab- abilities, very subtle would would be able to uh, achieve that eventually. I think it's I a guess. goal. I think it's a goal we all have. It's got to be lubricated though, man, or else that thing's twisting off. You yes, know? getting some some tears and burns there. Let me tell you another thing about this song. Tell me some more about so tears it started and burns. Out with, so um, so he formed uh them with a group called the Gamblers. And then began performing this track live after he broke up with the Monarchs. And he would sort of ad-lib lyrics as he performed. And the song could last anywhere from like 15 to 20 minutes. Right. And I mean, it's kind of like, it reminds me of um, Wild Thing. The like, some of the live ones. Oh, but, 100%. And particularly the, uh, what was it? Who was the comedian guy who did it? Oh, um. Kin- Sam Kinison, yeah, Kinison, um, where he kind of added his own like words, like ad libbing, mm-hmm. and yeah, there's a lot of ad-libbing. yeah. This definitely has a lot of parallels with Wild Thing. Absolutely. 
And I would call it, if we're talking about rock and roll, uh, like, staples or classics in the same way we talk about, like, uh, standards, that's the word I'm looking for, like, rock and roll standards, the same way we talk about jazz standards or blues standards, I would right. say that Gloria is definitely one of them. Yeah, I mean, especially, and, like, when listening to some of these versions, they have that sort of feeling about them, where, like, and they're much longer, and people just throw shit in, and have a good time yeah and i would say like again comparing to wild thing people do a much better job of throwing shit in here it's a lot do with a lot more unique i would say yeah wild thing is more like add your own guitar solo which is like Mm -hmm. you could do that in any cover song versus this like let's just throw in some graphic descriptions of sexual encounters with a woman named gloria or several women all named gloria all named gloria yeah, and that's part of the reason that it's so easy to do that is that the first one, and let's talk about the lyrics right now because it's going to be pretty easy to get yeah, out of Yeah, there's not a think. ton. Uh, I couldn't find much subtext. No, it's pretty straight up. So, and it's like it's very tame because it was 1963 when he wrote it. Right. But it, like, it's about. So, the first, like, the first. It just says chorus for the whole thing. On, it does. <laughs> on Genius. Genius is a little lazy on that. I mean. Like, you look at the descriptions, it's like, he's describing a woman that looks like this. Cool, thanks, guy. Thank you very much. Yeah, so he says, I'd like to tell you about my baby, my baby being old-time talk for my girlfriend or significant other. Yeah, who, I, I mean, also modern time talk? Maybe? I mean, yeah, probably not used as much, because now we're hip and we just say babe. Oh, right, or even bae, if you're really cool. That's right. Cut out another Less bees, consonant. The better, man. <laughs> yeah, and says, you know, she comes around, which is to say, she she ejaculates in a circular way. <laughs> <laughs> right, because she's a spinner. <laughs> That's exactly right. She's about five feet four, which yeah, again clarifies the second line. <laughs> <laughs> From her head to the ground. So not when she's sitting on it and spinning, but when she's standing. Yeah. Yes. You know, she comes around here at just about midnight. Midnight being classically known as the sex hour. Right, the sexening hour. The sexening, yeah. My favorite uh, Mark Wahlberg film. (laughs) And she makes you feel... This is where... Because now he's talking in the second person. She makes ya feel so good, ya being old-time talk for you. <laughs> Lord. Being old-time Lord. talk for a filler word. Uh, <laughs> 100%. We don't use that much these days in modern music. Lordy Lord. And I think... Lordy Lord. And she makes you feel all right. I think... I think he's trying to call Gloria a slut. But not in a negative way. Yeah, she's definitely a sexually active woman. Because it's like, if, she, if someone said, does she go? He would say, she goes. But he would also, he would be fine. Like, he's fine with it. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it's, but it's great. Because I can benefit from it. Mm-hmm, exactly. And so he, and he wants us all to know about her. Be, uh, this is, he's promoting her, I guess. She makes it feel so good, Lord. She makes it feel all right. And her name is G-L-O-R-I. G-L-O-R-I-A. Gloria. That's right. Her name is Gloriglia. Gloriglia. <laughs> Glory Gloria. 
Brackets. <laughs> Gloria, Gloria. Brackets Gloria. And, oh, he does spell it with a lot of eyes at one point. I, 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 I. Yeah, that's had his first one where he doesn't manage to complete it. Yeah, this this um genius is actually like pretty substandard because there's clear there's like sections to this song. Like you could say there's a mm-hmm. chorus when he spells the name. That's what I counted it as. But this one is yeah. just a block of of text of the whole song. Cause yeah, the the first you could even say like first verse is yeah until she make you feel all right. And honestly, that you could even call the she make you feel so good, she make you feel all right lines a pre-chorus if you really wanted to to really sand things down here. You but break it down then here. yeah, the chorus is and her name is G L O R I to aye, aye. you know the that whole fucking thing. And then when we come to she comes around here just about midnight, that's your next verse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm surprised they even bothered to include line breaks on these these lazy fucking bastards. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So yeah, he's uh, he spells out the name, lets us know it's Gloria, and the backup singers tell us Gloria. And then he says, "I'm gonna shout it all night. I'm gonna shout it every day." Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the sexual experience with Gloria is very good. Yes, and he's shouting about it. But it's midnight also? Yeah. So his neighbors are upset. Yeah, he's waking probably. people up. Also, he's young. Does he live with his parents? Probably not. Probably not. I guess it was the I 60s. I think he's on the road at this point. Right. So I, I'm imagining a motel. But I might be thinking of the Jimi Hendrix version a bit too much. Yes, that was... Gloria Prostitute? One of them was. Okay. All right. right. There's there, several glories there are in that. Several we'll glories. get to that. All right. And, uh, yeah, so then he says, she comes around, the, like, the second verse is kind of the same as the first. Yeah, there's, there's some repetition, and then, like, a... She comes around here just about midnight. Ha, she makes me feel so good, Lord. I want to say she make me feel all right. Comes a, and this is, this is, we get to the new material here. Comes walking down my street when she comes to my house. She knocks upon my door, then she comes in my room. In a circular motion. Circular motion, <laughs> making <laughs> making him feel all right. So yeah, she comes. I'm maybe I guess for 1963, that's pretty sexually forward of a woman, isn't it? Yeah, that was maybe that's probably why he likes her so much. Yeah, because she's just like, yo, it's a dick o'clock. I'm gonna get me some. She comes walking down the street straight to his house. She's like, what's up? I'm here. Let's fuck. He's like, yo, it's midnight. I was sleeping, but yo, okay. <laughs> or I, I went to bed two hours ago. Yeah, I, I have to get up for work tomorrow. Got things to do. Got to go into the studio. I don't know. Yeah, and then we get back into the the chorus, and that's really this whole song. Yeah, it's pretty basic. It's yeah. like two verses that are like super repetitive, just about a lady coming to his room, and who knows yeah, what happens. She makes him feel all right. Could be anything. We don't know what happens. It's just a, Maybe he just enjoys her company. Maybe she's great for conversations, yeah, you know? Yeah, they're just talking all night long. But, I mean, she does yeah. come around, so. She does come around. So, I mean, he does say that, so. Uh, really, there's there's no other uh, way to read into that line. So, it, it has to be Yeah, sexual. there really isn't. That's, that's very cut and clear that she's a spinner. Yeah. They recorded seven songs the day they recorded this song. Yeah, they were very efficient. Although, also, it said that um, they, like, brought in some, some studio musicians 
to the mm-hmm. like to because they didn't think the band was like good enough. Yeah, so, so this is this actually has two drummers on the record. Yeah, and you can hear them both. You can hear two drum mm-hmm. tracks at least at parts. Um, but apparently there's some uh, disagreement or some unclearness about who is playing what when. Because they may have yeah. just turned the actual, like, the drummer in them, whose name I didn't write down, uh, like, yeah, the mics down. Like, they might just turn the mics off and had the right. professional record it. So it's possible it's just two tracks of the professional dude as well. But the drummer wants to not that to not be true, I think. <laughs> and that would be kind of a dick move, too, so. Yeah. But they did have two guys it's... on drums. It seems weird that you would hire a studio drummer, record both drummers, or pretend to record, as the case may be, and not just simply be like, we don't need the second drummer here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, Jerry, I, but it was all like the producer, I think. So like, Yeah, it was that's just uh, some... Dick Rowe <laughs> from Decca Records, and so he was like the head of that. So he said, yeah, the members of them were too inexperienced. He hired two session musicians. One, I believe, was on keys, and the other was the drummer. Right. And the keys in this song are pretty cool. Yeah, they're actually, like, I'm even hearing them right now in my head, and they're kind of the, the lively part of this, because this really is a three-chord song, right? Yes, absolutely. Very simple. Yeah, I mean, it comes in, like, uh, it's just like that guitar riff, and that comes up a lot, you know, in, in the various versions. And then, mm-hmm. and then there's the bass going along. And the in the bass, I don't even sure if the bass is three notes. I think it's just two. Might just go between two. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, it really is quite simple. Yeah. Does it change during the chorus or anything? Not that I noticed. I couldn't really hear it though in the we'll call it the instrumental break where it goes like bow 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 bow. Yeah, it doesn't really switch it up. I, I couldn't hear it, any any changes. Yeah. Um, and then the keys come in, too, and they're quite high up, like the organ. And, yeah. Uh, excuse me. It, it's, it's kind of just doubling the, the bass, but adding, like, a couple flourishes in. Yeah, because it's like... Yes, there's just that kind of flex on it. Yeah. Or not doubling the bass, sorry, because the bass doesn't go up at the end. Just doubling like the right. guitar pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, the drums, the the drums in the chorus they change a bit. I think he spells for a while, and then they kind of pick up. Yeah, because in the chorus he gets a little wilder on the. Yeah, they just get to the like sound. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know yeah. what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't tell you. There's a, speaking of the musicians on the track, though, there is like claims both ways. So there are claims that Jimmy Page played the second guitar on this, which is wild. Other people say that's not true, and so there's no real evidence to support it one way or the other. You would think it'd be an easy matter of calling a living musician Jimmy Page and saying, "Did you play the second guitar in this very popular them song?" And he would say like, "Yes" or. No. no or, no. All right, cool. man, I did a lot of heroin in the 60s. I don't know if that's true, but it could have been. You cu- you've gone robot on me, Alex. Robot? I know you made a joke about him doing a lot of heroin and not knowing whether it's true or not, but... My sound is weird? Yeah, you're getting better, though. You're, you're getting cured. Okay. Um, 
I just implied that he wouldn't remember because because of all the heroin. Mm-hmm. I think there was some heroin. What goes on in this song? I feel like the most memorable part is him is the chorus. Yeah, everything from him spelling out Gloria, Gee. which is where you get to like Van Morrison cuts loose with the vocals. Oh, and to this very uplifting ah. chorus of Gloria. G L O R I A. G L O R I A. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, that's everything the, picks up for that. Yeah, that's like that's the money point of this song because like the verses are nothing. They're fine. Yeah, they're pretty pretty basic and i mean a lot of these versions will just either change the verses entirely or not use them or something and yeah i don't blame mm-hmm. them but i guess it's about taking that most recognizable thing you know and and i think in this it's that spelling gloria yeah because like even with this being like a garage rock track it's van morrison's history is rooted in blues music rhythm and blues so music spelling. that's what rhythm he says sometimes music. Hey, Mr. DJ. He's also, like, the OG shouting out at a DJ in a song guy. Yeah, really. <laughs> Want to play some of that rhythm and blues music? What's up with that rhythm and blues music on the radio? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's So, that's yeah, it's, it, it, and blues always has that room for improvisation. I feel like that's what a lot of people bring to this song when they pick it up. Because, again, like, the verses are not really anything solid. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of meandering and ad-libbing for a while. And I think mm-hmm. another important part of this song is the, like, overt sexual nature. And yes. we're going we're gonna to see that. Even though it oh, was... Oh, yeah, it's going to come up again I and again. I think it was fairly overt for the 60s. For the, like, mid-60s. All right. yeah. They're like, that's sex. Like, no one's the like... The thing that makes any of us feel all right. Like, did anyone hear this song and was, like, old enough to understand it more or less and be like no this no what this this is a sex thing what i don't think so i thought she was just a nice lady who comes around midnight and makes you feel all right and or okay about that yeah what is weird about that nothing so this is like them's big success but like van morrison himself is not all that wild about it i got a quote from here that says them's main success was a song i wrote gloria was capitalized on on a lot by other people especially a lot of american groups whereas i didn't really capitalize on it all that much does he wish don't have a time for that quote because he later like does covers of this and stuff yeah, I I mean he clearly spent like fifteen to twenty minutes performing it, so he can't have like hated it that much. Of course, I guess I maybe like, it yeah, got I feel old. Like he capitalized on it quite a bit. I think it's interesting though that uh, Pink Floyd then went and made a song about this, about sort of the relationship between uh, American bands and them. It's on oh. uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Really, I did not. Yeah, read us this. and them. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've been cooking that up for like two days. <laughs> U.S. and them? And them. Oh man. I've been oh, had. So <laughs> I've been had. Ah. All right, I'm glad that went off well. Um, 
Do you know Bowie actually, speaking of which, because he did a cover of uh, the, Here comes the, the I want to call it the street art song, but it's, Here Comes uh, the Night. Here comes the night. Yeah. And he actually used to play this song live during his uh, 1990s Sound and Vision tour. Right. I saw a, a YouTube video. It was like Gene Genie and then goes into Gloria. Yeah, that's exactly what I saw too. So it's, it's, I guess like Bowie was a real big Them fan. Yeah, must have been. I mean, I've, does he do any straight up Van Morrison covers? Um, I not that I know of, but he did a lot of covers. So yeah, especially live. So definitely possible. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I'm um, curious. Is there anything else we need to talk about on the original here? Um, it's a it's a neat song. Definitely very like got that like rawness you mentioned it's a three chord song mm-hmm. it's kind of the epitome of that like three chords and the truth thing that uh, well maybe not the truth i mean he was he was being honest i guess but it's yeah, just it's certainly a truth it's a truth it's just not necessarily a that like it's not a world shattering truth but it's yeah it doesn't like cut to the heart it's not like something like you know under pressure or forever young yeah it it's not like to the state of the world or something yeah it's not like a like a, a greater comment on commentary on on some like world event or something or or crisis but like it's it's definitely got that straightforward honesty uh so i'd i'd say it does a good job of being that and obviously that spoke to a lot of people because there are a number of versions of this uh, throughout yeah. the years. Absolutely. And with that, let's jump into one of the earliest covers done in 1965 by The Pleasers with a Z. With a Z. They're from New Zealand. That's exactly right. These are a new. They actually formed in Australia, though. Oh, that's where the group came together. But yeah, they are a popular New Zealand band, and this one became this cover became a national hit there. Impressive. Um, I I got a quote from uh, Richie Unterberger. Do you know any Unterbergers? No. Uh, Us burgers don't don't really uh, uh, keep up with each other very much right it's a it's a tribalism thing there yeah. so richie unterberger of all music described the band as one of the only new zealand groups competently playing tough british invasion slash r&b styled rock and roll it seems so like quaint nowadays but maybe it was a big deal back then to be able to get that edge yeah it's i mean it was almost uniquely coming from the sort of british area at that point because if you look at rock and roll even in the states it wasn't quite doing the same thing that uh it was more like suit and tie still over there I'm trying to think of what would have been contemporary with this in in this like the beach boys yeah i guess It'd be like I'm surf rock early 60s because we have to remember that the doors are the doors are late 60s right yeah i i guess they would yeah. have been a little bit later Cause yeah, we're right. This is like right on the turning point, I think, of going to much more harder. Yeah, like the Beatles released Helter Skelter, and then <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't it, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know that what it would have been in America. Popular marker. Once they released, it, you're like, oh, 
this is what we can do in the mainstream now, but right. there's certainly things before that. I mean, there's plenty of stories, or, I mean, there's the story of, like, Jimi Hendrix wasn't able to find success in the United States, so he went over to right. the UK, like, form the Jimi Hendrix experience. So, right. I, I guess, maybe they just weren't ready. I don't know. But apparently yeah. the pleasers were ready. Although I will say, well, they were ready. this is a pretty straight cover. Like, Super compa- probably the straightest of all we're going to talk about today. Yeah, With- of all we're talking about, this is most similar to the original. They do one thing I only picked up on today while I was listening. Okay. When he does the elongated eye, he also manages to throw an A on on the end. So he actually spells out Gloria. <laughs> really? He just th- yeah. So it's not Glory Gloria. Yeah. So he goes G L O R I I I A G L O R I A. All right. I can appreciate that, but I wouldn't say that that the rest of it I liked all that much. Just because it was it was pretty close, and like yeah, like there's like a little bit like the beginning's a bit different. They hit a symbol to start it. Not a huge difference. And there's like, a tambourine in this. There's a tambourine. Yeah, there's it's a tambourine. Just, you, you barely even notice it. Just like it doesn't do much as part of the percussion. Yeah. And, okay. Right. Oh, the breakdown section he does. I think for the start of the second verse. For what? What about it? Sorry. Um, it occurs, which I don't think occurs in the original. Am I wrong? It's a bit longer. So he he just when he starts singing the second verse, it's basically just the bass playing and some light drums. Oh, I see what you're saying. So there's yeah. like less stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's the one thing they, they do. do. Again, it's they not do enough that. to to really make this piece stand on its own. But yeah, I mean everything sounds like similar but a little bit different. Like it's just close. And the drums. Yeah, it's like it's just like that video you sent me. Uh. Where he's like, if you just do the song the same way it's done before, you're not going to make a better sounding version because you're just challenging them on their own grounds, right? Yeah, it's and, and they've already like made an impact. So, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, and they also only have one drummer, so there's less crazy stuff going on with the drums. That's right. So yeah, this piece is technically fine, but it's, there's nothing going on to make it interesting. Yeah, there's not a, not a ton here. With that, let's jump into 1968 with Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, this this version, this is where we start to get some stuff happening. Boy. Hell yeah, this is our longest one at 8 minutes and 9 seconds, I think. Yeah, and this is either live or, like, a studio live thing. Uh, I wasn't totally sure. Yeah, I wasn't totally sure either, because it says it's in the TTG Studios in Hollywood, California on October but of it, the year 1968. It does sound like they're just, like, recording it as a thing. Like, there's sounds mm-hmm. at the beginning. There's even a thing I kind of liked. Um, the bass comes in first, and you can hear, like, the yeah. snare rattling. From the yeah, just from the because base. it is in a, a studio space, I believe. Yeah, and they're all so together yeah, like, there. 
So I thought that was kind of cool. I'm so familiar with that sensation myself of hitting the base and shaking the snare. Just like hearing something rattle me and like, what? What am I doing? Is it falling apart? Yeah. No, and it's a good, like, thick bass line. It's very, like, they give it a lot of space to work in there. Yeah, I mean, it's that, it's the Jimi Hendrix experience, you know? Yeah, so if we're talking about tone, like, for every instrument, it sounds fucking perfect on this. Absolutely. That's, that's what they do, man. And, uh, yeah. But there's a lot more going on, too. You can, I mean, you hear Jimmy come in, you know, and it's Jimmy playing the guitar. So it sounds mm-hmm. like Jimi Hendrix playing a guitar, the riff from Gloria. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. It's kind of almost got some little, like, flourishes. Like, it's, it's stylish. I think that's the, mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. But like, yeah, it's just like it's so easy to work off the base of these three chords. Yeah. And make it still recognizable, but like throw flourishes on it and little things here and there. And to be Jimi Hendrix doing that, like, yeah. It's gonna sound fucking good. And like I mean and in terms of the lyrics, I think he even uses the original lyrics. But Hang on, I've got the lyrics page for him opened up. Yeah. Here. Yeah, so he jumps to the second verse at the start. He says, she come around here just about midnight. Lord, she make me feel so good. She make me feel Which all right. Which is pretty much the lyrics. Like, even though there's slight yeah. variations, like, that's pretty much it. And then just does a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. I, what I find interesting in this is, is in his spelling of the name, not with the elongated I, but the regular version. Right. He often combines R and A into one letter. Yeah, he, I'm. I'm not convinced Jimi Hendrix knows how to spell after this. <laughs> uh, I know, right? But I think what he is doing though is he says G L O R I A. He does seem to combine letters actually. So I think there's a part where he says G L O R I A. As well, yeah. So I've like heard that as well. He just mashes two letters together and just does the sound, like so he and mixes spelling and and sounds. Yeah, and like this version, maybe in particular, made me question like how you fit all those letters into the timing, even the original. I was like, how the fuck does he fit all that in there? Yeah, because he's really got to go. But yeah. and and uh, and of course, there's there's guitar solos and stuff that he throws in. Yeah. And like uh, it's eight minutes. Yeah, it is. It is honestly, rather it's a, lengthy. It's a good eight minutes. Like I can comfortably put this on and not get bored with it. Yes, and then you get close to the end, and you're like, "Wait a minute! Did he just smell, say her breath smelled like wet pussy?" And then you look up and the lyrics, yes. and he did say her breath yes, smelled everyone, like wet pussy. So, so yeah, what he adds to this lyrically is, uh, "Oh, here's so so." After she comes to the room, he says he's laying up there sleeping. She kissed me on my belly. She make me feel like plum jelly. And she said that no she's idea coming, what that I come means. to make love to you. And he says, hey, girl, what's your name? And she says, that don't make no difference anyway. Well, in the meantime, while I play to you, you can call me Gloria. And then it goes, you don't make me feel so good. And so then he talks about his band members and their experiences with women named Gloria. Or I, I like, feel like almost he's trying to say, like, a Gloria. Like, a, a Gloria is a particular type of type of woman. Or something like mm. that. Like I'm not sure because specifically Noel Redding's Gloria is ugly as shit. Oh, it doesn't. I, I don't mean that they can't be ugly. Just that. But I think that's not specified. What's a booga bear? Here, tell oh, me this right I, now. <laughs> um, I looked it up and I think it just said it was like a vagina. 
Okay. Um, I, I, I don't have it up anymore. Let me just... Okay, but tell me this. What does an alley bad boy look like? Uh, oh, no. Booga Bear is a character from Open Season. Oh, okay. Perfect. Uh, yeah. So that's really? Should, that should... <laughs> Apparently. Um, I think... Because what I'm thinking, what I'm getting at here is... I no, his name is Boog. Experiences... Possibly Bogue. Hmm. Maybe he's Dutch. Okay, wait. Maybe know. you're right. I might, I might be taking the long road to agree with you here. Okay. So these women, so the, what defines a woman named Gloria is not being named Gloria, but is like sexual promiscuity. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. hundred percent. Basically. Yes. Basically. Um, according to Urban Dictionary, a booga bear is an Mm -hmm. unattractive woman who is unaware she's extremely ugly. Um, Mm. hang on. It also, this one says a booga bear is a woman's coochie. A powerful, okay. enticing, love-inducing coochie, made popular by Bobby Rush's song "Booga Bear." Jesus Christ! Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, he talks about uh, Mitch Mitchell and Noel Redding's experience with a woman named Gloria, whether that is literal or not, or more of just a uh, a branding term, right? As it were. And what's interesting is Noel's. A uh, woman named Gloria slowly somehow turns into his woman Gloria. Uh, yeah, it, it's not. It might be. There might just be one Gloria as well. That's possible. It could. Yeah. So it's like it's, she got a girl named Gloria. Noel's playing with he, himself. Wink. She come knocking on the door, and little Noel gonna take solo on the bass, which is where he, he does a bass There's solo. A little bass That's solo. like it's fine. Yeah. Then showing that he appreciate her love. Even though she did look like homemade sin and her breath smelled like wet pussy. Like wet pussy. While all that was happening, I looked out the window, which is so... Jimi Hendrix is in the room while this is happening. Yeah, they're all together. I f- like, is that just like a thing? Like, especially probably... Yeah, was that just normal then? More so back in the day. It's like all the bands in the back. Everyone's doing their drugs and drinking also drugs. And like, just everyone's having a party time and sex is happening. Right. So he looks out window and here comes the man, not the cops, the man, but the man with all the groovy grass. I think the important, I mean, sure, the groovy grass, but I think the important part of this verse is that in the beginning, he just, I mean, you know, that one time when Noel was masturbating and we were all there and there was a girl, she showed up, fortunately, because it was awkward. Yeah. And getting weird. <laughs> is that the only way to stop your bassist from masturbating? Jeez, Noel, come on. All right. We, we, we got you this. This prostitute. I don't know. Look, Maybe she's, she's a, a prostitute. Just, at least now we can all masturbate to this. Yeah. Jeez. Noel. Got that weird dick. Yeah, and then, so then the weed dude comes by and like walks into this sex den. It's just like, sup guys, I got weed. And they're like, great. And they're just freaking out, which is a good thing here. Yeah, because they're freaking and smoking and joking. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he hears the man coming, not the man with all the groovy grass from like three lines ago, <laughs> but now but the, the man, the cops, the cops and, and Lord have mercy. So who knows what happens next? Yeah. Probably well, he says, in- hey, Gloria, I think it's time to get the hell out of here. I said, Gloria, get off my chest. So she's somehow moved. And maybe, yeah, this is just the mess of, of freaking and smoking and joking. And she's now wound up on him instead of on Noel, but it's time to get out of here. And then he says, I'm talking about Gloria, Gloria, Gloria. G-L-O-R-I-A. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a good time. It's a, it really made me think, like, bat, when, when we think about music of this era, it's 
pretty sterilized for the most part. Like we talked about uh, like Dance With Me Henry and how that was considered right. a bit risque for mm-hmm. um, for radio. And, uh, and like that happened with because, you know, you, you needed your songs to be acceptable and not vulgar or whatever so that the radio would play them so you could become popular and sell records. But mm-hmm. once you got to your live show, like no one cares anymore. So you can throw this kind of shit in, right? Like right. So I feel like there's this whole other side that you probably only get nowadays from like live recordings that I really haven't. It's not something I've really dug into, but it's probably just a a different perspective on the time period. Yeah, that's actually that a I am good interested in. And we'll see more of that when we talk about The Doors. Oh, yeah. Well, fucking The Doors. What I had to say about this one is, do you think the line... The, the, so those two verses we just talked about, about Mitch Mitchell and Noel Redding's Gloria's, are those improvised? That's a good question. Um, they sound... Hmm. They don't, like, rhyme or anything. Mm-hmm. I feel like they could at least be partially. I think he yeah, I would believe that. It. I would 100% believe this yeah. is fully improvised, even with some of the regular lyrics, which has been written down here in the, uh, in the actual version of it. He right. says, let me see here. She comes to my house just about midnight, and she walks up to my street and knocks on my door. And then she says, she comes out my stairs, now can you dig it, and knock on my one more time door again. <laughs> yeah, I, I would definitely believe that like this had never been written down. Possibly, mm-hmm. he probably rehearsed it, but w- like loosely, that would be my yeah, guess. exactly. But he did. I think the end, the "kiss me on the my belly and make me feel like plum jelly," like he's probably pretty proud of that line. I don't know. <laughs> I would. I would have been. It's a good line. It's brave to talk about your belly, you know, as a man. You're supposed to just have a six pack there. Exactly. But this. This is. This is Jimi Hendrix we're talking about. He apparently, I don't think yeah. he needs to have anything. No, he's got it all. So yeah, like, uh, you get a bass solo on this. Again, very stripped down. You get tons of guitar solos. You get these weird improvised sexual verses, which I think really keys in on the nature of the original and, like, forces it into the limelight. I mean, it's not the best lyrical composition of this we're going to find in regards to sex, but it was good. Yeah, uh, it was. It would have been. Uh, yeah, I, I, sw- <laughs> I feel like in at in the time period it was like pretty risque, but I don't know. Yeah, and uh, notable, there's no backup vocals, so he kind of switches between doing the spelling it out and then just saying Gloria. Whereas in your regular versions, it's the spelling it out and the backup people going Gloria. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Because he has two bandmates. Maybe yeah, they're they too busy do backup singing on other songs, don't they? I would think so. I, I'm I can't think of an example, but I don't see why not. Probably in because uh, they do a cover of Sgt. Pepper's, right? Yeah, I don't know it that well though. <laughs> yeah, me neither. That's all I have to say about this. You want to move to the doors? Yeah, let's talk about the doors. So 
this is the Doors sometime between 1968 and 1970. The track was actually released in 1983. It's a live one. It is a live track. And uh, it's a similar idea to the Jimi Hendrix one, but now it's the Doors 100%. instead. Uh, it's a long version. There's a lot of ad-libbing with, mm-hmm. with Jim Morrison. and uh, But now the Doors are there. So there's organ playing... And there's some neat, like, organ and guitar interplay where they kind of do some weaving in and out and around each other. And I kind of like yep. those parts. Those are fun. Oh, yeah. Just, it's, it's the doors in, instrumentally are fucking phenomenal. And you get the classic, Jim comes in with the classic, right. Right. Where he does, just fucking makes noise. You're like, great, Jim Morrison's here, everyone. <laughs> there, there's the man himself. And a lot of this song is just him talking, as expected. Yeah. With with these. So I have some. Versions. I have some of these quotes written out. So yeah, like his big improvisation on this. First, he does some of that like Jim Morrison scatting that he also does on Roadhouse Blues. Which line is that? Um, I couldn't tell you because it's literally just noise. You know where he just, goes like ski bop, okay, come on, like that kind of thing. Right. That's what he. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a Jimmy. It's thing. like that, but it occurs in this song. So then he says, so he sets up the sexual scenario that, unsurprisingly, and I'm pretty sure I'm right on this, is rape? He, um, something like that. So he says, hey, what's your name? How old are you? Where'd you go to school? It's, and it's a little some slimy. some kind of sex noises. It's a little slimy at the very least, if not directly sexual assault. He says, well, now that we know each other a little better, why don't you come over here and make me feel all right? Now that I know really two things about you, why don't you... Have sex with me. Exactly. Also, and then his yeah, age is like the first thing he mentions, which, which is it? No, a name. Yeah, he in says, "Hey, what's your name? How old, old are, are you? you?" Which is probably good information to have. We don't know what. Yeah, he... I suppose like that is responsible in yeah, a sense. Like, hey, uh, age maybe. I mean, then all the things third considered. Question though, where'd you go to school? Uh... Yeah, I feel like. I mean, I I mean it is past tense, but also why does that matter? Yeah, it's a line that makes me feel a little odd as well because uh, it gets odder because now we're gonna look at this next bit here. He says, "You were my queen and I was your fool, riding home after school. You took me home to your house. Your father's at work. Your mom is out shopping around. Took me into your room, showed me your thing. Why'd you do it, baby?" So are they both supposed to be like school children in this? Is that the idea? Maybe. Because, yeah, this line seems incongruous with the first line we talked about. Because if they went to school together, why would you need to ask, where would you go to school? Yeah, because they're riding home. Well, after school. But, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know that it makes a ton of sense. But this, this verse is definitely the, like, the Jim Morrison poetry verse. Yeah, 100%. At, at the very least... The first line. First yeah, you were my queen and I was your fool. Like Riding home after school. A little like rhyming couplet. And he doesn't yeah. do that again, I don't think. Work around room thing. Yeah. So like it's all kind of poetry. <laughs> In yeah. the loosest sense of the term, yes. Yeah. Uh, I, the thing about this version is it kind of gets explicit and like sort of dumb at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. This, this one was... It's very Jim Morrison. It's very Jim Morrison. 
if and, you had showed me this before I heard any other like version of Gloria, you could convince me that this was just a Doors original because it it sounds, it sounds like, like almost like Roadhouse yeah. Blues or something, where it's this meandering fucking nonsense. Yeah, and um, I mean, there's probably a reason they never recorded this one. Mm-hmm. But uh, and then other other than that, like in the song itself, there's that like. There's that bit, and then the rest of it is, like, they kind of... The music slows down and, like, speeds up, presumably. Yeah, as he says, soft yeah. or slow it down. So it's, like, they're having this sex and the speed is changing. Like, that's... Yeah, so the instruments then, become representative of the kind of sex they're having. Of the, like, rhythm. So, like, okay, all right. I can accept that. This is maybe not the most delicate or thoughtful application of that concept, but mm -hmm. because it, then it goes into the next verse of Jim Morrison saying, wrap your hair around my skin. <laughs> yeah, so like, now show me your thing. Wrap what? your legs around my neck. Wrap your arms around my feet. Yeah, wrap your hair around my skin. Like, that's got to be kind of a joke, right? Because I, like, can't, I can't picture that physiology. So no, yes, I can. Neck. But then, okay, the legs. So, like, someone, they're upside. They're off. They're inverted. Bro, I think they're 69ing. Yeah, that seems to be what's happening. Duh. <laughs> but also, I, then there's just the hair around my skin thing, which, like, I guess, but it's also just sounds like serial killery. Yeah, it's yeah, it's bad serial killer poetry. To me, I don't know. Just like talking about, maybe not. I don't know. It's it's Jim oh, Morrison poetry. I don't maybe that's just still the best way to describe it. Yeah, it's so definitely Jim Morrison poetry. Just kind of like it's weird awkward but also explicit and like just he's the way he says it just adds to that so much. Yeah. And it's weird cuz we're going to talk about Patty Smith next who is a Jim Morrison fan. And that's a very different and, version. Yeah, and I think her her poetry skills are far and beyond anything Jim's ever done. I like how we just shit on like Jim Morrison's lyrics or like poetry, and we're like, oh, but I like the Doors, like they're good. But I mean, it's it's, it's kind of dumb very sometimes. Tough thing to reconcile. I think he has a phenomenal voice. Yeah, I like the way he sounds, and even sometimes uh, the lyrics are fun too. But then sometimes you just can't think of them too much. Yeah, they're fun, they're, like, audibly pleasing, but they do not stand up to interpretation. Yeah, a lot of time. I mean... A he, lot of the time. He did write a poem called Abortion Street. Is that what became Peace Frog? Yes, it is. Which, I mean, fine. I like Peace Frog. Good track. Yeah, it is a pretty good song. I think they... Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, it, that that's the kind of thing we get from Jim Morrison. And that's fine, because where else would we get it? If not Jim Morrison. Yeah, that's his fucking thing. And so it kind of, it literally climaxes with him going, I'm going to right on. It's getting hotter. It's getting too down fast. And the music picks up. And then he says, come on, love. Let's get it on. Too late, too late, too late. Can't stop. Can't, Can't stop. stop. Won't stop. with screaming. And then he does this, make and me like, feel all right. Feel alright! And yeah, it's like, I guess like we said, this version is audibly pleasing, but when you really take it apart, you're like, ugh. That's kind of like, a you. little slimy, uh, uh, and skeezy. 
But I I do like that organ sound. Way to go, Rayman. Mm-hmm. You can't beat Rayman for that sweet, sweet organ sound. So, but yeah, like I said, uh, they never recorded this one. Probably, probably works better as a live thing anyway. Yeah, and again, to draw back to your to that video we were talking about earlier, where he says like, if you make it your own, like bring it into your own field of music, and change it in that sense. Right. That helps. Like the Doors have successfully done that. This sounds like a Doors song. They made it sound like the Doors very much. Is it a high quality Doors song? Maybe not. But, but it sounds like the Doors as a live track, and like if you were. At a Doors concert, maybe this is what you go to a Doors concert for, in the mm-hmm. in the in the late sixties. I don't know. Well, yeah, because they were always doing. Because there's a lot. I have some albums of live performances. Actually, one in Vancouver in like 1970. Weirdly enough, but it's yeah. This is the kind of thing you would go to that for because they do blues covers and <sighs> things like that. So that's an interesting context to see the Doors in. I think. Sorry, I'm just adjusting my equipment. If you know what I mean. I know, these are horny songs. I've been <laughs> cranking them out this whole time. Ugh. Sorry. A little sticky. Okay, we're good. Um, so, uh, I guess that, that brings us to... To Patti Smith. Patti Smith in 1975. God damn, I have a lot to say about this one. This is a very different version. It is basically an entirely different song. Patti Smith was inspired, and her and the group focused on the version done by... The name is Shadows of the Night. Which night is spelt like the uh, K-N-I-G-H-T. Right. That's a Chicago band, and that cover reached number 10 on the billboards compared to 71 by uh, them. 1965. So we're not talking about that version, but does it have significant differences? No, I'll tell you what the guitarist thought of this. Um, once I scroll down to that quote, uh, 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 he this is uh, something K. What the fuck is his name? Lenny K. So Lenny K says it had a real sense of teen angst that Vans didn't. Had a real sense of gathering as you peeked into the chorus. The celebratory nature of the song was inescapable. Plus, it was just the one that was on the radio more then. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, it does sound a little bit, like, does have a bit of that, like, teenage nature of, like, sneaking around, you know? Mm-hmm. Or it seems like that, because, you know, it's got to be nighttime. But maybe it was more of a societal thing or something, like, you can't be seen, you know, at a man's house. Yeah. Um, but, and I only listened to the, this, ver- that version, like, one time because mm-hmm. we weren't going to talk about it. But uh, I'm curious, because I, I didn't really notice that. But I feel like going yeah, into it, honestly, thinking of I picked, it... I, like, like, I listened to it a couple times, and it just sounded like a, a more mainstream version, I guess, of the original. Hmm. Like, just kind of more polished and... Yeah, in, in that sort of 60s ways, where it was more radio accessible, I would say. And it was also like 66 or 67, something like that? 65. Okay. I'll take that as a win. So this one started out 
the whole story behind this is uh, so Patti Smith was a spoken word poet, and she wrote the poem Oath, which I think about eight of those lines wind up in this version, including the opening line, Jesus died for someone's sins, but not mine. Patti Smith had like a religious upbringing in like Scientology or something. Do they even have mm-hmm. Scientology then? Yeah, I guess. And like was was just not which I'm pretty sure Neil Gaiman had that like was that too like his parents were Scientologists. Oh, well, that's wild. So that's I don't know. Uh, I so then she yeah. she got uh, she connected with Lenny Kay, who was a music journalist and guitarist in the February of 1971. So this is four years before the track even comes out. Sorry, did Lenny Kay record that other version? No, no, he okay. is the guitarist for Patti Smith. That's oh, so he's not the guitarist for the like the the version we've been talking not about. Not for the Shadows of the Shadows Night. Shadows of the Night. Sorry, the name totally uh, escaped me. It's not a good name. <laughs> um, so he was a music journalist. He published some piece about music he liked, and she like called him, I think, about that. And was just like, eh, I like that music that you like. And they like hung out and danced to records. And then she's like, come play guitar with my poetry nights for me. Is that the goal? And so he did. Is that the goal as a journalist? That someone just like reads your article and calls you up and is like, hey, let's hang out. I think for me it is, yeah. Because <laughs> I have no friends out here right now. I imagine, yeah. That's got to be tough. We'll talk about that it later. It is not... Yeah, I'll talk about that later. It's not easy. Um, So he says... So he just did this like bare bones accompaniment to her poem. And he says, I was just mostly trying to follow the dynamics of Patty's chants and musicality within her delivery of her poems. It's just a very simple frame around what she did. It was never intended to be anything more than one night. So he just did this, like, one... He's like, yeah, I'll help your fucking poetry night. And then they just kind of kept doing it. Sorry, you cut out for a second there. Are you still there? So yeah, yeah. it was the one there poetry night, and they just kind of continued doing it after that, despite it su- supposing to be this just one-night performance. And then that... And so he says... Sorry. So he says, even when we started performing more regularly at the end of 1973, we let it develop of its own accord. We were dealing with something outside of the framework of a traditional rock and roll band. We were able to follow its improvisations and its growth, especially when Richard Soul, who's the pianist, joined us. It's an, it, the verse, like, it definitely sounds like it could be, like, from that kind of spoken word poetry, because a lot of the lyrics don't have that sort of, um, like, melodic nature, mm-hmm. really. Like, it sounds very freeform, and, and doesn't have that even structure, necessarily. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, I got a quote from Patti Smith here, so I'm just gonna, like, rail off quote. Yeah. But, uh, she says, in the beginning, it was just Lenny and I, and then we brought in a piano player. So it was just the three of us, and we did very simple songs. Because the configuration was so simple, we just chose songs that were basically three chords, so I could improvise over them. And so it was the simplicity of their setup that sort of led them to playing Gloria. So it's just any old, like, garage rock stuff would work? <laughs> yeah, they were just like, well, we just need fucking simple songs to play, along with Patti Smith's spoken word poetry. And then what happened was uh, they started auditioning second guitarists. And this is funny because it kind of speaks to the original live versions of the song that them did. But so how they would audition these guitarists is they would play the song Gloria 
for over 40 minutes at a time and wow. see who would just like drop out so it was it was like a totally like attrition thing they just wanted to see who could yeah. who could handle it that's that's kind of badass but i know i would totally fail that i would be like are I'm you still sure going if i would fail i would because i would be there and i'd be like so we're still doing this, huh? Actually, like, I might do that too. Like, are they gonna stop? I don't. I just like stand there and smile and be like, okay, <laughs> still going, <laughs> and then be like, shit, it's been forty minutes. Wow. Yeah. So then, naturally, they got uh, shit. I don't wrote. I didn't write down his name, but yeah, they got a guy through that who was just kind of like grooving along with them, and so things. The actual song, like being two pieces of her poems and the song Gloria started to come together in 1974 when they picked up a bass guitar from Richard Hell of the band Television. I don't know and that band. I just it's want a good to band. You should check them out. They're uh, like, they're like punk rock, I guess. They're, you know. Um, so then she got this. So Patti Smith took the bass and started just like slapping that E string and started singing her poem Oath which the band then segued into Gloria because it has an E chord in it. And it's just sort of picked up from there. That's kind of serendipitous, I guess. Maybe not. I like the word serendipitous. But um, because not only, obviously, do they share that chord and were able to transition well, like, topically, there are some connections as well. So that's handy. Absolutely. So six lines from Oath remain in the version that we are looking at, which is Gloria, colon, and Excelsius Deo. And uh, let's see. Lenny K calls Gloria the national anthem of garage rock, which is, I think, a fair thing to say. Yeah, I'll accept that. Um, with that, let's talk about some of the lyrics, I suppose, if we're going to break this song down. And there are a lot of lyrics. Yeah, because she keeps very little from the original, like a lot of them do. It's pretty much just the chorus for her. Yes, and that even doesn't come in until kind of further on mm-hmm. in the song. Yeah, absolutely. It's a huge amount of her own work. So we start with Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine, which is a, like a pretty self-explanatory line. Yeah, I guess that's kind of the in excelsis deo part, because there is a like hymn called Gloria as well. That's right. In Excelsis Deo. I, is a line in it? I don't know if that's part of the title of the hymn, but anyway. So it's a reference to that. Yeah. And so with that line, what she's really doing is taking... Because the, the whole Christianity thing is Jesus died for our sins, right? Right. And she's saying, well, my sins are my own, and Jesus has nothing to do with Can't it. Can't have them. Can't have them. But I think there's he also sins he could do them himself. Goddamn! I think there's also an aspect of that of like rejecting the idea of of what is considered a sin. Like I'm mm. doing this, it's it's my own actions, and like kind of yeah, rejecting that Absolutely. idea of like needing uh, a reconcil- a reconciliation or something like that. Yeah, and then that comes up. I think that idea is smart when we talk about the later lyrics. Because I believe this song is about her having sex with a woman named Gloria. It seems to be, yes. So, that's not a sin in her eyes, even though in the church's view it would be. Especially in the 70s, 70s. yeah. So then she says, melting in a pot of thieves, which brings up the idea of a melting pot and also a gathering of thieves. 
A wild card up my sleeve, thick, hard of stone. My sin's my own. They belong to me. Me. Meh. She doesn't really say it like Meh. That. Sometimes it's like, later she's like, said, beware. And yeah, it's in the next Don't line. People care. say, beware. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. The words are just rules and regulations to me. 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 So again, she's really establishing herself as an individual, a rebel. Somebody who's going by their own code rather than rules and regulations laid down by any specific group. And then, in the next, so in the in the next verse, she mentions, "says you know I look so proud." Is that a reference to just like pride? I don't mean. I mean, (laughs) as in in the context that we often talk about pride of like of like homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Well, that, yeah, you know I what? I assume the concept existed back then. I don't know. Because, yeah, know the there's, history. there's the idea of when you're at these so-called sinful events, because she goes on to say that it's a party here. Oh, right. That you might be, like, like looking down in shame or like, oh, huh. But she comes in here held, head held high. She's got pride. She's This is her zone. Whether it is a, a melting pot of thieves or a den of sin, this is her fucking place yeah her place where she can see someone humping on a parking meter yeah in a room hang on a sec oh she looks out the window all right (laughs) humping and leaning on the parking meter how do you do both i mean yeah i mean yeah poetry man it's tougher to hump something without leaning on poetry it's poetry Poetry. So yeah, she moves in this here atmosphere where anything's allowed, and I go to this here party, and I just get bored until I look out the window, see a sweet young thing, humping on a parking meter, leaning on a parking meter. Oh, she looks so good. Oh, she looks so fine. I've got this crazy feeling that I'm gonna make her that mine. I'm gonna uh, uh, make her mine. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah. From a like a singing perspective, she really drives in that that sexual nature without making it quite as slimy as Jim Morrison yeah, does. Yeah, it definitely. Yeah, it doesn't it's have raw. that Jim Morrison sliminess. And I don't know what, how she managed that, because she's literally making fucking humping noises and talking about fucking a woman she saw humping a parking meter, and somehow it is less slimy than Jim Morrison's uh, I mean, all the stuff in the Doors version just makes you think of, like, young school girls, for me. That's, like, yeah. the, there's, that's what the imagery is. Like, what? I- how old are you? Where did you go to school? We're coming home from school. And you're like, these are young people. Maybe he's young too, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you're right. Whereas it's established that Patty Smith's at a party. Yeah. And she just sees some hot woman humping a parking meter. Which, how common of an occurrence was that in 1975? Um, I volunteered to time travel to 1975 and observe. <laughs> Look at all these people humping parking meters. Because 1975 was all just humping parking meters. That's what I've always said about 1975. Couldn't, <laughs> just, like, couldn't find an like, unoccupied yeah, man, parking back meter. Back in the 70s, found this sweet parking meter downtown. The curves on that, let me tell you. <laughs> the curves. You walk all around the block, you can't find a single free parking meter to hump. <laughs> That's just New York in 1975, I tell you. Now, uh, where were we in this? Right, we got caught up on the parking meter. Put your spell on her. Um, she says, I'm going to make her mine, which, again, 
she's taken a very masculine role in this where she is in acting she said i'm gonna go get some sex from that lady and then immediately that lady comes to her place crawls up Mm -hmm. her stair just one stair and waltzes (laughs) and she yeah she looks good she looks fine she looks good yeah she's in a pretty red dress and she's and then yeah i'm gonna make her mine what it's not so much a crazy feeling at that point is it patty smith she is at your she has crawled to your door wait is this party at patty smith's place that's interesting because she says i walk in a room yeah but then and then she says she looks so good she looks so fine she got this crazy feeling she's gonna make her mine although is making her mine is that a euphemism well, I don't think she's going to, like, purchase her. No, but is it, like, a sex thing? <laughs> I don't know. Is this? Yeah, it could be in terms of, like, like dominating them sexually, but I think it's more like we're going to fuck. Yeah. In much, in much looser sense. Okay, okay. She will be my woman. And then... Patty Smith will be her man. And then she hears knocking on the door. Yeah, well, she says, I'll put my spell on her. Here she comes walking down the street. So she literally casts magic that brings her to her door. So cool. Yeah, right I on. Yes. Her baby's walking. And then she the hears this knocking on the door. She looks up to the big tower clock and says, "Oh my God, here's midnight." Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> it's midnight. <laughs> and then she's walking. She's, I feel like she's walked through the door a couple times, but whatever. Yeah, like, again, with this version and Jimi Hendrix, there's this sort of looseness of, yeah. <laughs> like, events. Yeah, I, I can accept it. I'm not just, like, pointing out plot holes. Like, it's fine. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. And so, like, obviously, the talking about Midnight is a reference to the original where she comes around Midnight. Mm-hmm. And she's leaning on her couch. She whispers to me. I take the big plunge. And, oh, God... No, sorry, no God. Oh, she was so good. Yeah. Oh, oh, she was so fine. She took the big plunge. I tell the world I had just made her mine. Is she plunged with her face or with... What's she plunging in there with? <laughs> what's, what's the plunging? What's, uh, what's going on? Uh, someone went... She got a literal plunger? Someone went, took a shit, and like had a bad time, and then she came back. Like We, we had to take back. a break, but it's fine now. It's, I think, just general, then, general euphemism. Because you can't say... Yeah, I think so. And then we lesbian sexed. <laughs> <laughs> so it's gotta be... I just need that suggestive. Yeah. work. Not that she's trying to cover it up all that hard. No. And so she says, Darling, tell me your name. She told me your name. She whispered to me. She told me your name. And her name is... And her name is... And her name is... And her name is... And that is, like, when we finally get to the Gloria part of the song. Yeah. Most of the way it's through. It's interesting that that little segment mirrors uh, Jimi Hendrix's section, where he's like, I asked this woman her name. and But in Jimi's version, she's like, it doesn't fucking matter. Just call me Gloria. I don't give a shit. Right. But in this one, she actually tells her. We think. Mm. Yeah. And so then, we're... Like, where them's version seems to be about a relationship. Right. Like, it's about this woman he is consistently seeing. This one seems to be about one passionate night with a stranger that has left, like, a lasting impact on Patty Smith. Yeah, that's what we get in the next verse. Mm-hmm. Is that impact. So I'm at the stadium. There are 2,000 girls called their names out to me. Marie, Ruth. But to tell you the truth, I didn't hear them. I didn't see. I let my eyes rise to the big tower clock. 
And I heard those bells chiming in my heart going ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. It's eight o'clock. It is the point. (laughs) Chiming the time when you came to my room and you whispered to me and we took the big plunge. And oh, you were so good. Oh, you were so fine. I've got to tell the world that I made her mine, made her mine, made her mine, made her mine, made her mine. And then we get to the chorus again, Gloria, and then it's Tower Bells chime, ding dong, they chime, they're singing, Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine, to bookend it, and then Gloria, G-L-O-R-I-A, till the end of this. Yeah, so, it is very different from the original, structurally, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, has a lot of similar, I guess, things going on, similar events. Although the th- it really, themes, yeah. I would say, are a little bit different. This one is more explicit about, like, rejecting this sin, I think. This idea yeah, that, that this is a, a sin. It turns it from just a sheer act of pleasure into also some kind of act of rebellion. I would say that's definitely part of it. And, I, I mean, it makes sense talking about homosexuality in, like, pretty mm-hmm. much any time in the past. So yeah, even like today to some extent. Like yeah, I guess so. With this much, like this is, I mean, it's a lot of euphemism, but it's fairly explicit. I think. Yeah, I think. I mean, it 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 states in plain words that this street woman humps a parking meter. That's I hate true. To get caught up on this, <laughs> but that's pretty fucking lewd for any time. Yeah, I I have trouble with that one. I don't know. What that means? Like, is it is it just a literal? Like, I can accept that, but it seems... Obviously, we've been making fun of it. It does seem strange. Yeah, maybe Patty Smith is sex-crazed, because it goes on to say she's just leaning on it. And I would say, like, the parking meter is a stretch, but I'll combine it with the clock tower. The clock tower can easily be a, a dick. Okay. Cause it's so maybe the parking meter is also a kind of dick, and it's supposed to. I mean, obviously, in lesbian sex, there are no actual penises. You can you can get things to substitute, but like seeing someone near a phallic object, whether it's a parking meter or a clock tower, might be to suggest these ideas of sex. Just the like phallic nature of these objects. Mm-hmm. Because we what I mean, we think of dicks as shitty people. But in terms of visual representation, it mostly makes us think of sex, I would say. Yeah, I would probably, I guess. And, like, it's almost like when they say humping on a parking meter, is that, would that be like a pole dance? Yeah. So it, it very well could be. So is that just like a fantasy in, in her head or something, maybe? Like she sees her and then yeah, just like, like sees her beside a parking be... meter that she's leaning on. And then is like, oh, and she's like. Yeah, so in her head, because she's bored at this party, right? She establishes that, so her mind kind of wanders a little as right. she looks out this window. And is, and she's, she takes this leaning woman, and is just like, oh, yeah, she's fucking humping that fucking parking meter. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. What if I was okay. a parking meter? That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> so, yeah, this is, I would say, does a much more successful job than the Jimi Hendrix version or the Doors version of weaving this sexual like i guess an overtone because it's very explicit into a narrative of this song yeah and i think just because of the nature of like it's it's more successful it it's a little more sophisticated 
And I think it's a little more meaningful because now it's this like rebellious act more mm-hmm. so, I think, than the than the dudes in the 60s. Um, other than, of course, Jimi Hendrix maybe got arrested at the end of his, but <laughs> that was probably the drugs. It was. Yeah. But anyway, um, it it because it adds that extra extra layer i think of of the like maybe and some of the of the i I was gonna say of the homosexuality um and some of the uh like comments on on genius kind of say like it's supposed to be like kind of ambiguous or androgynous and maybe oh what if she's singing from the perspective of a man that's also possible um but maybe I, I would think, if anything, it would be androgyny, not that she was singing as a man, just that it's not supposed oh, to be yeah, clear. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I think she is singing from her perspective. Yeah. Even if you look at, like, the album cover for Horses, like, Patti Smith is very androgynous looking. Yeah. And even on Spotify, it's like similar artists are like Lou Reed, and you're like, oh, yeah, another person who played with androgyny in their work. Like, it's... So, yeah, it's either lesbianism or just this raw androgynous sex. I don't think it's in the realm of hetero at all. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty cool version. Obviously, we've spent a lot more time on this because there are a lot more lyrics to look into. Uh, yeah, there's a than... lot more to talk about on this one. And this one, like, hit a lot of people in a big way. Um, Van Morrison even heard it. And his quote is this. Yeah, I've heard that. I could even dig that for what it is. Doesn't floor me like some things. I'm the type of cat that would listen to black soul music or black gospel music. That's what I would listen to. But if something comes along like what Patti Smith is doing, I have a tendency now to accept it as what it is and get off. And what? Get off? Get off. Yeah, he nutted to <laughs> this song. Way to go, Van. Way to go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that makes sense. As we mentioned, he's more like a blues guy. And this isn't... I mean, I guess it has that, like, three-chord thing, but he's more maybe at this point in time into into more, like, complex arrangements or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, even, like, we even talked about the line, Let me hear some of that rhythm and blues music. Like, he has made it very clear what his genre is for a long time. That's true. That is true. Um, so there's another, this, like, let's talk, I guess let's just talk about the composition. So this one goes through a lot of distinct phases. It starts out soft on the piano, Mm -hmm. and then things sort of build. We get a guitar jump in as her voice gets harsher. Um, we get a little bit of blues guitar noodling to go on top of the rhythm guitar. Like, it's pretty musically complex compared to a lot of versions. Yeah, and in terms of, like, it builds quite a bit, especially near the end when she's actually singing about being with Gloria. Mm-hmm. And and making her, hers or mine, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, what? Yeah, what Lenny K, guitarist Lenny K, says about that. He says, of course, it has a chorus that's about as rousing and and inspirational as it can be. And I think that's right. If you like, the chorus on this is just uplifting. It's nothing but raw energy. I was definitely roused by it. I was roused. For sure. And it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's got, and like her, even her vocal improvisations with the, ah, ah, it's like, it's just a lively version. 
Yeah, I don't have a whole lot of notes about the composition, unfortunately. But yeah, definitely that. And even like when she does her like ding dong thing, she really gets into it. Mm -hmm. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. Which I feel like 8 o'clock is the wrong time, but whatever. (laughs) Well, yeah, because she says it's it's supposed to chime the time that they met, so it should be midnight. Should be. But hey. Not enough ding-dongs. F-minus, Patty Smith. Better luck next time. But what are you going to do? Maybe so, she fixed um, it Interestingly live. enough, in a later performance of this, in a live performance in Florence, she, in 1979, she changed the lyric from the start. So, Jesus died for someone's sins, but not mine, to Jesus died for somebody's sins, why not mine? So what happened is, Earlier in uh, a live performance, she fell during her song, Ain't It Strange, during the line, uh, God, I feel the finger. And so she says that she felt the finger of God pushing her over. (laughs) And she attributes that to her uh, uh, challenging him. She says, hang on, I spend so much time challenging God when I perform and in everything I do that I feel it was his way of saying, you keep battering against my door and I'm going to open that door and you'll fall in. Sorry, I'm adjusting again. Interesting that she seems to, like, believe in the existence of God, but also is, like, mm-hmm. rebelling against him. Or, you, you know, if, if this ethereal being. Um, I don't know quite what to make of that, but it's interesting. So that's more like a... I would have interpreted yeah, I got another it... another quote to kind of help with clarification on that. Yeah. She says, I was very involved with Christianity in my youth and had grown skeptical of church dogma. As I grow- got older... I did more New Testament studying, especially through Pasolini. I don't know what that means, but his words were... Oh, he's a guy. His words were enlightening, portraying Christ as a revolutionary. I reassured uh, Jesus Christ and realized... Sorry, I reassessed Jesus Christ and realized that he gave us the simplest and greatest ideas to love one another, making God accessible to all men, and giving people a sense of community that they would never be alone. It's not a reconciliation as much as it is a tip of the hat. That last line's in reference to her changing the line. Okay. So she, I mean, she clearly had religion on, on the mind when she was writing this. So yeah, it's in, she has a very complex relationship with religion. And yeah, and it sounds like it kind of goes back and forth a lot. And it, seem, it seems to be that her answer to like connecting to it, she calls Jesus a revolutionary, which is sort of a form of a rebel, right? And this song is about her own personal rebellion. Okay, so she's bringing that into her own experience and relating mm-hmm. to it in that way. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, this was uh, hugely influential. Uh, Johnny Marr of the Smiths calls it a huge reference that, uh, or a huge uh, influence. This song, he says, it gave new energy to American garage rock. And Rage Against the Machine's Zach De La Rocha said, the opening to Gloria might be one of the greatest moments in American music. I'd say it's a strong version, definitely. It's interesting that it, that it takes Gloria, the song... That existed for a while at the time and pretty much just completely recontextualizes it. Like it's this is this yeah. is the heart of like taking what the song meant, taking one thing that's recognizable about it, taking the like meaning, expanding on the meaning, inserting the one recognizable thing, and like and just going completely off the rails with the rest of it. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. This may well be like the true ideal, at least method, of reaching a cover that stands on its own. 
Yeah, it's a good it's a good effort. With that, let's talk about the fucking party boys. Yeah. This is uh, an Australian rock supergroup, actually. And they had a rotating cast of uh, musicians with them. Joe Walsh of the Eagles was with them for one point, but not on this album. Was he Australian? I don't think so. No, but he hung out with this Australian supergroup for some reason. Are these the same party boys that called the Kremlin? From last, last week's episode on Walk Like an Egyptian. Check it out. Wherever you get Check podcasts. On Uncover iTunes. me. No, you don't really get them on iTunes anymore. You get them on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, um, fucking Podbean, Podboy, Podgirl, <laughs> Podperson. Pod everything. So Pod entity. All right. The Party Boys. This covers uh, pretty straight as well. It's like, uh, you ever listen to any Sammy Hagar Van Halen? Or even just Sammy Hagar? A little bit. You know, like, I Can't Drive 55? Yes. Yeah. That's what this reminds me of. That's the sound. And it's definitely yeah. uh, sounds more modern um, compared to it's the other 1980s ones. 1980s hard rock. Like, yes, hard rock. Like, very much of that standard. And yeah, like, the voice... I don't know... Like, the voice sounds like, yeah, a guy who would sing in a 1980s hard rock song. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've taken out, like, organs and stuff, and it's become, like, guitar. Like, they've, I think there's an acoustic guitar in there at one point. And, mm-hmm. like, and they're pretty much just doing the guitar riff and, like, some drums. But they also do the thing. You mentioned they were Australian, which is probably <laughs> significant, because they do the, like, super breakdown for the second second verse part that the uh okay the pleasers did yeah yeah you're right yeah they do the breakdown and that's just the bass baseline and probably the acoustic guitar there it's just like a light guitar jangle going on yeah yeah it's pretty i think it's an acoustic guitar yeah and they do uh near the end they get some huh in their vocals near the end they do some like hard huffing and puffing yeah which you gotta do that's energy man yeah I'm like not- it's uh this, like, again, uh, this song has sort of the similar attribute of Wild Thing, where it's so close to being just water that you can add any flavor to it, and it, like, works successfully. I was expecting more versions like this, honestly. Yeah, me too, frankly. Um, and there probably are. But we just aren't talking about them, which is probably good, because we talked about the more interesting stuff. And maybe yeah, we're just giving is. some of them a pass, like... I feel like the Jimi Hendrix version isn't this because it has all the extra stuff, but like musically mm-hmm. and like the doors, like musically, it's that band. It's that song, but really sounds like that band is playing it. But and they, they just, we know them so the well. extra step to apply your own lyrics to it really brings it into your field. Yeah, that like, definitely it adds sounds something. very natural to hear Jimi Hendrix talking about the sex his friends have with people named Gloria, and it feels natural to have Jim Morrison talking about this weird, grimy sex situation. Yes. And it really makes it their own, along with the tone of their instruments and their sort of natural styling. Yeah, I guess that the personality is beyond just the instrumental tone. 
which is really mm-hmm. what this one gets. This one doesn't have that same added personality. Yeah, that like you if get from thrown the in a verse about this weird blue collar sex they have with a woman named Gloria <laughs> at a dive bar or whatever, it would stand out a lot more. In in the bush, the bush, the bush. I fucked this up before. Is it the brush, you know. The brush. The brush. Yes, I think it's the brush. Do they sing the verse a third wrong. time? Because this is a minute um, longer. Yeah. And I don't know how I would have missed know. this, but apparently I did. I fucking missed it. I was just focusing on when he says, It's just about midnight! Because he sounds like a parody of people who sing like that. <laughs> Do you know what time that is at? Um, just about midnight. <laughs> That's a good joke. No, I have no idea. I've, I've, I've called these guys excessively bland. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll second that. It, it, it's, it, yeah, it's an 80s version. Kind of like how the Pleasers yeah. did their six. Well, I mean, it, the original was the 60s version. The Pleasers did that again. And now it's the 70s yeah. or the 80s. And they did 80s version. A, a slightly updated version. And maybe if it was a band I, I cared about, um, I would like it, but it, there's not much to say other than that. They're a super group, too, so you really expect yeah, some kind of fucking energy But here. they're an Australian super group, so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, what does that even mean? You're like it's a regular like, band what, now? What, they're just ACDC? Like, <laughs> I'm sure there are other Australian bands, I don't know. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Van Morrison. And John Lee Hooker in 1993. Yeah, this is... This is some bluesy stuff going on. Yeah, this, this cranks the, like latent blues in the original song to 11 is just like check it out and i did i did check it out um did check it out so john lee hooker is an american blues singer songwriter and guitarist who's not sure what fucking year he was born in uh, who is these days really he was like yeah i think i'm born in 1920 and then they're like censuses show that he was seven years old in 1920 sweet um Actually, it's kind of funny. I, I was just talking to a, a friend of the podcast, Emily, shout out, uh, last shout night. Out and she was talking about working in, yeah, she works in healthcare. And she's talking about a lot of people who are like immigrants to Canada. Uh, their birth date is just January 1st because like they don't know what day mm. they were born of the year. So that's what they say because that's just like basically the placeholder. Um, yeah. To, and it, I mean, if it's on the official records, it doesn't really matter. But, uh, but yeah, that they just—I mean—they didn't didn't record it. Yeah, that's fair. I wish my birthday was unknown, so it could be January first. Is that was that the date you'd pick? No, I think I would pick March tenth because it's Mario Day. <laughs> it doesn't even change it that much. <laughs> I know it doesn't, but it's like that big of a difference to me. <laughs> all right, all right, it Why, is better. You it's change a, your birthday too. It is a better go. day. Uh, no, um, my birthday is the best day of the year, so I wouldn't change it for anything. The sixteenth of June. Yep, best day of the year. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but it's my the birthday. The weather's good. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you like your birthday. Anyway, 
so it it opens with John Lee Hooker on vocals, I believe. Yes, and he does some some words. Yeah, and he's like he's very he's a very smooth guitar player. There's some light drumming. He does the knock on my door shit first. Yeah, and, and I and mean then it switches to Van Morrison on vocals, and he picks up on the first verse. Yes, sorry. Before that, there's another there's another guitar sound that comes in that's kind of like muted. Sounds like yeah. it's kind of raking across the strings a bit. Very muted sound. Just wanted to mention that because I thought okay. it was a neat sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that's John Lee Hooker? Do you think that's I Van Morrison? I don't know that Van Morrison would play a guitar. Is that crazy? Is that crazy that I said that? I think that is crazy. Does if you look at even Van the Morrison artwork play for guitars? the essential Van Morrison, it has him playing a guitar. Oh shit! Yeah, it does. Okay, I'm crazy. I I, I don't. Yeah, know. I think. But I would consider Van Morrison more, and this might be me being a dickhead, but, like, less technically skilled than John Lee Hooker. John Lee Hooker's kind of a, like, blues legend, so... Yeah. That's what I would think, too. And so that muted picking, it makes me think more of, like, an advanced blues technique than it makes me think of fucking And It Stoned Me, you know? Like... Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, there's two guitar sounds. It's possible yep. they're both playing. And then Van Morrison starts to sing after uh, Mr. Hooker. And, yeah, and then, then the drums Hooker come in, too. The backup vocals. Yes. And, and then they jump into the chorus, so then they start spelling together. Yeah, and they do it on the A. They do the I bit on the A, I have written here. What, what is that? Oh, they so say instead of going, A, I, A, I, A, I, 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 they go, hey, they hit a jukebox. And what's... Oh, we also get an organ in this. Yes, I like the organ, like, really picks up on that, on that verse. And, and I mean, it's mostly just volume, really. Everything turns yeah, up. Yeah, it really is. Everything turns up. And then, hey, what's her name? Yeah. What's her name? What's her name? What's her name? What's her, her name is Gloria. His name's Gloria. Yeah, her name's and Gloria. And so then things go down low after the uh, the classic instrumental like guitar solo bit. And Hooker just talks about midnight for a bit. He's like, "Come on, midnight. Come on, midnight. It's midnight." And you're like, "Yeah, it is." I think they might fuck at midnight. I think so. And by Do they, you know that Gloria. I mean, I mean. Let me tell you. I mean, John Lee Hooker Go and ahead. Van Morrison. <laughs> At midnight. Yeah. Yes. That makes sense. Yes. Because let me tell you something about Gloria. She's a sinner. She's a killer. She's a lover. So she shows up at midnight to see Van Morrison and John Lee Hooker just going at it. She kills one of them, has sex with the other. Because she's a sinner. Yes. And she's and a, a killer. killer. And a lover. Yeah, okay. But who does she kill? Mm. That's the question. I think that's explained to us in the line, play guitar, Johnny. Because he's still alive, so he can play the guitar. He can play the guitar, and that was probably Van Morrison's dying words. Uh, play guitar, Johnny. And when he play said guitar, play guitar, Johnny. he actually meant he have wanted to hear something beautiful before this... he died. I thought it might be a, like a euphemism for, hey, Johnny, I'm dying, but you gotta have sex with this woman who's killing me. Mm, so the guitar is his penis. Yes. <laughs> the guitar is always a penis. 
Yeah, and then like the the when he says play guitar, Johnny, he plays guitar, he gets more aggressive. Um, then the song ends with a kind of classic blues wind down where it just kind of like goes down yeah. to one note. I mean, they do a lot of like riffing. They do the riff for a while. The bam, 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 yeah. bam, bam. And then, yeah, it kind of comes down. So, yeah, this version is maximum blues and it's pretty good, honestly. Yeah, they crank up the blues and it works, I think. They got some, yeah. some big names on this version, too. There's a lot of big names in this, generally, of that yeah, we're talking is... about. Yeah, because we're going to jump into 2001, where Simple Minds decides to take a crack at it for some reason. Yeah, which I'm always shocked to see Simple Minds, because I always think of them as a one-hit wonder, but they did a lot of stuff, I think. And this, not some other good stuff, if you ask me. No, you don't like this version very much? It feels very cheaply made to me. It sounds, and it might just be the era 2001, but the electronics on this are not great. True, everything in 2001 is like, we were like getting the technology, but it wasn't quite there. And now because a lot of it is either there or more advanced, you can like really tell. Mm -hmm. It's got that just like weird, weird thing. But yeah, this one's yeah, so much more a... synth synthesized. Yeah, which is obviously Simple Minds' strong suit. But uh, so we get the voice through a filter. We get uh, it's a very subdued version vocally because he calmly spells out Gloria. Gee, and it's supposed to be that oh. like you know kind of electro pop, reminiscent of the '80s, where you could get that kind of laid back vibe, but almost like robotic kind of thing going on. Sure. Maybe, yeah. Maybe robotics, yeah. not the right word, but you know, that's sort of almost apathetic. Might like be synth a pop. Word. Yeah. Just like speaking very flatly. Yes. They also have, and this is important, near the beginning, and it comes up again later, a synth that makes like a boing, 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 boing sound. <laughs> and that's very important. And that's all I'm going Why to say. Is that about very important? That's is all it I'm a going boner to say. Sound? <laughs> Maybe it is. Oh, man. I didn't think of that. Yes. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. Okay. I want it to be. Yeah, so they, they get a couple of, like, synths in the background doing just kind of ambient stuff. And he uh, he does the I, 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 and it kind of, like, carries off into the distance. And I feel like you could have used that effect because he only does it on the initial spelling. Right. You could have done it every time he spells it out and have that play in the back. Yeah, this one definitely, like, there there could have been, they could have repeated it. Like, there's a lot of repetition in this version. Mm-hmm. And it, it felt almost like, like, we were talking about with Once in a Lifetime, um, that it was, like, human sampling, that they were do- yeah. doing the repeating. And this sounds like that to me. Or maybe it's just regular sampling. I don't know. But it feels like that to me. Yeah. Because of the repetition. Um, and... Did you look up the lyrics to this version? I did not. Okay, because I don't think the genius lyrics are accurate. Because okay. they're, like, slightly altered from the original, but not in a way that I could reconcile with the actual song. So that was mm. weird. 
So what what differences did you notice? Well, because like he there's hardly any lyrics in this version. And it's all just like kind of yeah. repeated lines. But like this actually has the lines of like she about five feet four. Uh, from her head yeah, to the ground. Yeah, I don't and, remember like, hearing that. I, yeah, I did. I couldn't find pick out any of that from the from the uh, listening to it. So I don't know what that's all about, honestly. Yeah, sometimes like, they get fucking. Late. They barely put the original on there. We shouldn't expect much for the covers. True, true. <laughs> uh, let me see. Oh, and there's a whole like synth bass like solo section. Yeah. It's. I really don't like the main riff being stripped down to just a synth, because it sounds very empty. Empty, you say? Yeah, because it's like beam, beam, boom, beam. Right. Yes, it is very stripped down, and I mean, there's some like effects going on on it. Like they're doing like a filter sweep on it as well. Yeah, um, they do. And I don't know it. It's definitely not as much of a focus. Like, it's in the background. Yeah. But uh, it's more, I think... I don't know. I don't know if I can explain this version, quite frankly. Yeah, it's... I've written here that it'd be the song in, like, some early 2000s film as part of, like, an intro chase scene or some bullshit. Oh, really? It's from a movie? It's not, oh, but it could be. it sounds be. like it's from a movie. Okay. Is that... Does that help clarify it? Yes. It sounds like that. Even like, like the the like album artwork. It's just like a picture of I think a car console with some tapes on it, like cassette tapes. Yeah, I think you're right. It looks like it's from a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is this is the movie soundtrack version. Yeah. And it's yeah. I don't know. I'm not of crazy about the same it. era that. It was released. And a lot of... Yeah, it, it almost sounds like a remix. like Or not like a remix, but like... Like someone is... Like electronically shifting things around. Yeah. Because of the repetition yeah, and the It might have thrived of, better as a remix. Yeah, and that's... Man, I was at a, a food truck festival last week, and they played a version of Brown Eyed Girl, but just with a dance drum track on it. And that was the only difference? That was the only difference. Well, you know how I feel about that. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> Not very good at all. Brown eyed girl. Cool. With that, let's talk about Kids in Heat in 2016. Yeah, let's talk about Kids in Heat. These guys are from Murrieta, California. They're a garage punk band, and they say, it's probably going to be a party if we play. They do say that. Is this song a party? Eh. Kind of. Kind of. It's got a kind of Doors-esque sounding organ to it. It's approaching that tone. There's definitely an organ. Yeah. Okay. I'll accept that. Yeah, you call that Doors-esque? You'll, you'll take it? Yeah, sure. I mean, in that it's an organ. Um, <laughs> they played an organ. So, no. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'd, have to, I'd have to think about it more. I'd have to listen to it more. Um, 
this they kind of do a thing with the guitar here where they do the like you know what i'm talking about um like with the the, the solo riff no it's like, like during do, 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 do. it's like the way they play the guitar during the verses yeah, they do like it's almost like an arpeggio, but yeah. not quite. It's like ding, 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 ding. so you hear like several notes being hit, right? And like it sounds like something, but I'm killing myself trying to figure out what it is. Um, my instinct is is she really going out with him by whoever that's by? But I don't think that's right at all. Maybe I'm gonna I gotta I gotta figure this out. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, this one is the surprisingly somehow the only punk rock version we're talking about. Yeah, or at least the and only. I guess you could call Patty Smith punk rock to an extent, but this is explicitly punk rock. Yeah, and they do a lot of uh, like uh, staccato on the notes rather than letting them ring out. Particularly, you notice it in the solo instruments. What do you call that? The instrumental break. It's very clear stops. Just doesn't ring out. Mm-hmm. Mm, let's see. There's another thing they do. Um in the second chorus. Right, in the second chorus they like in the first part they do like G-L-O-R-I-A Gloria. G-L-O-R. Yeah. But in the second time they do that, it's just the singing. Like he's doing both of them. So the first time they have backup singing backup vocals. But the second time, they mm-hmm. don't. They take them out. What does it mean? He's alone now. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe because it's just a party, man, if they play. So, you know, it's supposed to be loose. Yeah. It's supposed to be free. All right. So they broke this some one actually starts out with the spelling of the name, and he, then he kind of, like, howls. Right, they do. So they kind of fuck around with the overall structure. And, uh... They go right. There's a. They go right into like. There's a bridge riff from the end, and the mm-hmm. and they do that right at the beginning. So yeah, it's yeah. it's it's all flipped yeah, around. They do. Um. So for and this is definitely another like genre piece. Like comparing it to the Party Boys, this is just one that you've pretty much transposed into a different genre, and now right. is this. I liked this one a little but more think- than the Party Boys. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Is this one's a little more well done? Yeah, because. It it felt a little more. It had a bit more of an identity, I thought. Yeah, I wonder if that's because they actively like rearranged things in the song. They're like, here's where this section comes in. We're gonna start with this and just that, or if they're just like, or if it it's more easily translated to punk and they were able to work with that better. I don't know. Yeah, but it it worked out better in the end either way. Yeah. But the other thing they do. And, uh, sorry, the one other mm-hmm. like no, go ahead. Slight change is like. They end with, like, the riff, and then they don't do, like, really much build-up at all. They just kind of just end it. It's pretty sad. Yeah. Which I... I don't know. Sometimes I like these things, sometimes I don't, but I was into this version. Yeah, honestly. And, like, this one was a clutch pick, because I discovered that Gloria by the Lumineers is not a cover of I, Gloria. <laughs> yes. That was pretty obvious. Or indeed a cover of Gloria. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty obvious as, as soon as I started listening to it. And I was like, because, but the thing is, some of them are so different, right? So I'd already just listened yeah. to like the, the Patti Smith version. I'm like, okay, there's a lot of changes. And then like that version started and I was like, waiting for the G-L-O-R-I-A. Waiting for the exactly, G-L-O-R-I-A. Exactly, because you're like, well, they probably just have the chorus. <laughs> and it never came. It's a totally yeah. different song. 
Sorry, the Lumineers. Sorry, the Lumineers. You get worst cover this time. <laughs> For being a totally different <laughs> song. Let's what go the into hell, our guys? final reviews. We got yes. three categories, and I'm spinning the last category into also being our bonus segment. Okay. So what we've got is your worst song, best song, and then in t- I'm going to take this in general terms of, in terms of rock standards, which is a better song, Gloria by them or Wild Thing by, who, it's not by the Trogs, was it by the Wild Ones? Yeah, it was the Wild Ones who did the original version, but it was written by like, uh, oh, what was his name? Uh, oh, fucking... Like Angelina Jolie's uncle. Yeah, what is his fucking name? Chip Taylor. Chip Taylor, that's Chip right. Chip Taylor, yeah, wrote it. Uh, which is a better? What was the? Which is a better? Did you say party song? Or um, just no, song like generally? rock and roll rock standard. And roll, oh, rock and roll standard, right? Um, okay, so do we do best first or or worst first? Like, uh, what's, we do worst first. Worst. We first. like to end with positive. Right. Um. So worst. You know what? You know what I think the worst one was. Mm-hmm. I think it was the Party Boys, because even though I would think it, I would compare it pretty closely to the Pleasers, these guys had time to think about it, and they still fucked it up. That's a solid point. Yeah. So, the Pleasers, I mean, they basically did the same thing these guys did, but it was, like, the same year the thing came out, so they were, <laughs> I don't know. Now, yeah, these guys had context. Was, I've been reading this book on cover songs. He talks about how covers were originally sort of just a way to get that song on your label, because people didn't used to care about the artist as much as the song. Which interests me because we're so like the opposite direction now. Yeah, completely yeah. the opposite. So from the pleasers perspective, it's understandable to like hear uh like a European track and be like, We need to bring that here, it's very popular there. Let's grab that, do this. We've changed it a little, but who gives a fuck as long as we have the basics there, here it is. So by the time we get to like 91 or yeah, but something once we like hit that? 1987. 87? Why well, I have the wrong year. I probably have um, the, the compilation year. Maybe. Yeah, what year do you have for that? 92. It's probably the, like... No, it's, it's 87, because they, the, they only have one actual album. Okay, well, I, I think it was just, like, um, the, like, greatest yeah, hits the, or whatever the album came out on Spotify. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, so the 80... It's 87. You've had a couple decades to not... To... to you know, you're not doing the same thing that yeah, they would have done and, in the and 60s. And there's no problem with performing this live and putting out that version. I think that's completely acceptable. I agree. But this is... But to, to press that to vinyl and be like, this is it. It's like, nah, I don't know about that. See, I'm going to agree with you. The Party Boys is the worst version of this yeah. song. And I don't know if I mentioned this. Hang on, I don't know if I mentioned this. Not the best, but I also I did like the Simple Minds version. I know I wasn't crazy, crazy about it. I wasn't. I was not crazy I just, about because we one. didn't like touch on this, and I, I feel like this is important that we should bring this up. I don't know. I, oh, absolutely. It, it was different enough from the other ones because it did kind of sound definitely, like a dance remix. Um, mm-hmm. That I don't know if it was like thematically the most appropriate thing, but it did feel it did have a different enough feel that I I. Um, it wasn't like the Party Boys, where it was just like, well, it's just the same thing. Right. I think given what I know, like, the best of Simple Minds is I feel like they could put out 
a more like enriching version of this song than what they gave us. And that's, and I feel like some of that might just be getting caught. They were caught up in early two thousands electronics at the time. And that was kind of hit or miss. And I feel like, I feel like there's a better version of this from simple minds that follows some of the guidelines they put down in this version. And I wonder, because I feel like there are, and maybe, well, maybe this is just because of how old I was at the time, but like early 2000s, like, like I said, like we had a lot of things that weren't quite there yet. And I feel like there's a lot of like bad things from that era. (laughs) Just (laughs) because like we were trying our best, but we hadn't quite figured out how to do it right yet. Yeah. Kind of the uncanny valley of that. Because, you know? like, I like modern things, but I still have trouble with, like, early 2000s sometimes. It's yeah, like... it does feel, and maybe I'm just relating it to my own life, but mm-hmm. it feels pubescent, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I would compare it to, like, the evolution of CGI in movies. Like, it, CGI from that period was very much, like, not quite there. But, like, we, yeah. they could do it, but it, but it didn't look good. Anyway, just, I, I wanted to bring that up, because we didn't really, uh, we didn't really discuss... I didn't really mention what I thought about that. No, yeah, version. that's good. I think that's that's appropriate to say. But, um, but hit me with it. What's the best what's version the best of this, version? Alex? This is a really interesting. Uh, I think there's case. a lot of right answers to this. There's a lot of like different stuff. There's a lot of wild, wild versions right now. I have mm-hmm. to say, Patty Smith, because like it changed it the most, but also in the most appropriate way. Uh, it was probably the most thoughtful uh, and the most interesting, and it made me want to listen to the rest of the album, which is very similar stylistically to this song. Yeah. So if and you're that's... ever waiting to get an oil change, <laughs> you too can listen to Horses by Patti Smith. Uh, very long songs, but... Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I got to give it to that one. But, I mean... A hundred percent. Obviously. I agree with you in... Yeah entirely um i i did exactly what you did i listened to this i was like fuck i gotta listen to the rest of the album yeah and it's just it's such a strong take on this she really makes it her own while like incorporating the parts of the original that make it shine and it's it sounds good you know it's not just like it's smartly done but it actually yeah. sounds good yeah and it made me want appealing made me want to listen to more patty smith yeah and i would probably do that even more but I mean, obviously, I like the Doors, Jimi Hendrix. Those, those are uh, kind of highlights in terms of personality, at least, because they oh, really. Oh yeah, and it's really interesting, and in that most of the versions we're highlighting are much longer than the original, which I usually shit on because I'm like, you don't fucking need to be longer than the original. Seven minutes? The original what? Is a good length. Yeah. But these ones all do an excellent job of expanding on what is already present in the original. Yeah, and they're putting actually putting something in there uh, other than like mm-hmm. several guitar solos, which is sometimes. I mean, I like guitar solos. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes it's a bit much. You got to earn them, you know. Absolutely. So yeah, Patty Smith by and far. I, I like. I would pick this over the original. This is the best version of Gloria. And in terms of which is a better rock and roll standard, that's a tough, that's a tough question. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. 
And Tell I think why. I may have alluded to this earlier. But really, what we're saying is, uh, we're, we're, we're comparing one where you basically, like with Wild Thing, we didn't hear a lot of like lyrical changes mm-hmm. so much as like they would say Wild Thing a lot and like do like just just shred like a guitar solo. So and and then versus this where at least in a lot of the older live versions they were really adding like a story. Maybe not all the stories were were that meaningful, but they that was what they were adding. So the question is, which do you prefer? Or at least that's how I'm approaching this. Uh, maybe that's mm-hmm. maybe you have a different approach, but like which which is a better thing? Is a, do you want a whole bunch of like shredding guitar solos? And I like them both. Ah, this is difficult. Do you have any thoughts? Well, I think it's the question is, and maybe apply the knowledge of what you have of jazz standards if you have any. But is a standard supposed to be a piece that you can simply replicate? or something that you can improvise on top of. Because if it's the former, then Wild Thing, I think, is the superior rock and roll standard, because it's mostly just replicated in slightly different styles. But if it's about improvisation and leaving your own mark on a recognized piece of work, I think every, almost every example of uh, Gloria covers have exemplified how you can really make this piece your own. By adding to, by like sticking with the theme? And expanding mm-hmm. on it. And I feel we really miss that. I think Wild Thing could do that. I don't know why it doesn't. Yeah. Um, like you said, Sam Kinison kind of does do that. That's true. He makes the song about failed relationships in his own way and brings it to that topic. So, so I think I like Gloria as a song better. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to end up saying Gloria. So that's what's probably going to happen here. But there does seem to be a difference in how people approach it. And to your question, I think definitely that's what I've always thought of, like, as we mentioned, comparing it to the idea of a jazz standard, that there is a lot of improvisation and, and it's a it's like a, a recognizable melody. But everything around that is the artist is or or the group or whatever. Um, and I agree that you get more of that when people sort of start to change up the story and add their own details. And it kind of has that aspect of like, like the story that is told over and over again. And you keep, you keep adding bits to it. Mm-hmm. It's almost got like an oral storytelling history in it without being, you know, from that culture where it, it changes and molds with each person, but the base ideas are still the same. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, that I think is more interesting than, what we got from Wild Thing. Although I don't see why Wild Thing couldn't be that. Maybe there is a yeah. reason. I would love to see uh, a more radical take on Wild Thing. More radical than, like, Kennedy voice? <laughs> I uh, uh, would like to sing this track about a Wild, wild Thing. Wild Thing, you uh, make my heart sing. I I still can't believe that. Like that my it mind just, still can't yeah. wrap its head around that. <laughs> uh, it was a different time. It was a different time. Another I place that I think Gloria is the better rock standard, though. You agree, Gloria? 
Yeah, I uh, agree that Gloria, <laughs> Gloria is a better track for the people. G L O R I. I don't think I can keep getting higher. Hey, Gloria! Gloria! All right. Yeah, that's that's my answer. Uh, it's Gloria. All right. Gloria. That has been our episode and our bonus segment wrapped up into one. If you want to talk to us, particularly on the issue of rock standards, how you feel about Gloria, Wild Thing, or even some other th- songs you think classify as rock standards, yeah. hit us up on Twitter at Jake the Cressy, J A K E T H E C R E S S Y, at some Alex Wise Guy, hashtag Cover Me Pod, hashtag Rock Standards. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you think about the songs we talked about today. Review us on iTunes, Spotify. You can't review us on Spotify, but subscribe to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, fucking Podbean, fucking Pod Around the House, whatever podcast apps you guys got and like. Subscribe. Tell your friends. We don't have an ad budget. Tell your friends. Yeah, please. Tell your friends. Please. Hashtag tell your friends. Hashtag your friends. Hashtag your friends. At them on Twitter. We're your friends. We're you, we hashtag we are your friends. <laughs> the Zac Efron film. <laughs> and as we always say on Cover Me, get your covers on your head to keep warm.